Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Kathy Irway has one very specific memory of traditional Chinese medicine. One day, her dad got into an accident, and while he was recovering, Kathy's mom asked her to bring something for him. The liquid was what I was supposed to give, and I poured the liquid down the drain, and I gave this like cup of like twigs and like bark. <laughs> for Kathy, it's just one example of growing up in America and feeling disconnected from her heritage and from things like traditional Chinese medicine just felt so dumb. And of course, my parents laughed and it was no big deal, but like, it really got to me. But now in 2021, she and other Asian Americans are trying to reclaim some of those practices through a community that started in the North Bay. I would like to see more Asians and Asian Americans taking control of the narrative of our traditions. And again, I think I think that we are. Today, the Asian Americans in Sonoma County who are reconnecting with traditional medicine and building new community in the process. I'm Alan Montecilio. Welcome to the Bay. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Traditional Chinese medicine is like what is sort of like the formal sort of like bedrock of a lot of Eastern medicine. But um, of course, their, their particular brand is Asian American medicine. Kathy Irway is a food writer and host of the podcast Self-Evident, Asian America's Stories. She recently wrote an article about this for the San Francisco Chronicle. So, Mom, if that's all right, I'd like to ask you to tell everybody how in our East Asian Chinese family, Southern Chinese family, how we say Happy New Year. 
in our family. So Adrian Chang lives in Occidental in the North Bay area in Sonoma County. And he has an Instagram account. It's called My Kitsuna Cafe. And he teaches about Asian American folk traditions, weaving in a little bit of personal history. And he and Aaron Wilkins started up a workshop series about herbalism and folk traditions. And Qigong is one of the five branches of Chinese medicine. It's the energy work, the spirit, again, the feeling. It's over Zoom, and they summarize it as traditions that have to do with the hearth and home. You know, Adrian walked us through kombu, which is a dried seaweed or kelp, and he made a dashi stock and with dried shiitake mushrooms, and he walked us through all the sort of energies of the winter vegetables. So there's a lot of cooking, um, there's some herbalism, but there's also some general wisdom around just everyday living and uh, it's rooted in Eastern philosophies and traditional Chinese medicine. And uh, they're doing this all year long. And um, what was it about that that you found interesting? I wanted to know more about like my heritage and my culture. And, um, you know, I I also grew up with parents who practice some of these, uh, you know, they do Qigong, they, they go to a Chinese medicine doctor when they need something, you know, for an ailment. And uh, I just didn't, I just feel like I didn't really tap into that very well. So, and I have a lot of guilt around that. (laughs) So (laughs) I just thought it was so interesting. I'd been wondering if anyone was doing something around traditional Chinese medicine, but also I I love that they were taking it in an Asian American direction. So acknowledging that we may be somewhat divorced from some of these traditions, we live in America. So it really spoke to me. Adrian's story is so fascinating because he grew up, you know, going to his grandfather's shop in San Francisco Chinatown all the time, which was a Chinese apothecary. I just remember like floor to ceiling, like apothecary cabinets with the drawers. And like, I remember being a kid before I had opinions about what I thought about Chinese American, whatever. And just like opening up the drawers and like seeing cicadas and twigs <laughs> and seahorses and like these weird little berry, dried berry things. And just again, floor to ceiling. We did not grow up traditional, you know, what is traditionally Chinese, but we did not. I don't even speak Chinese. You know, mm-hmm. I don't speak Mandarin, Cantonese, or any of the dialects of my, mm-hmm. of my family. So after kind of growing with that mentality, viewing people like my grandfather and his herb shop is kind of not, not bad at all, but just so foreign. And so what changed for him? He said he was really fascinated about Japanese culture. So he... He decided to live there for a while, and then he lived in Sri Lanka and um, sort of hopped around Asia a little bit and um, was totally immersed in in Asia. It wasn't until then, when I moved abroad and I moved to Asia, that I really started to explore the Asian side of myself. And, you know, I was, I was just out of college. So I was only like 22. You know, I was just, uh, that's really kind of where it all started for me. And and then came back to uh, Sonoma County, which he says is, you know, it's predominantly white and he didn't have that much of an Asian-American community. Sonoma County has actually a really deep history of, of a um, Chinese and Japanese-American community out here. But there, we tend to kind of like 
slip through the cracks and kind of fades into the background. Yeah. Um, as I was kind of like, you know, pulling out all my grandma and my mom's recipes and really kind of delving deep into that kind of identity cooking, I kind of started realizing that like, wow, where are all my Asians at, you know? So, and it's so funny because I had just come from Asia where I was just like, you know, mm. disappear into a crowd. Over time, Adrian did find an Asian American community in Sonoma County, often through potluck groups. That's how he met Aaron Wilkins, who's Japanese American. They became good friends, and eventually they decided to collaborate on these workshops, which have been going on since January. So it's kind of like that classic story where he comes around full circle, and now he's trying to pick up the pieces and... Um, and reclaim this heritage, but uh, it's not like a tidy ending there. You know, people will be the first one to say that, like, you know, he's constantly learning, he's constantly evolving still. This is, we're all on this journey. It's a real learning process between the two of us. We're sharing so much new information with each other um, that I'm learning so much about traditional Chinese medicine now, and it's really making me feel so connected Mm. to my grandfather after the fact. Traditional Chinese medicine can be traced back thousands of years. It's grown and evolved and been taught for a long time. But here in the U.S., it has a shorter history. For a while, it was mainly kept within immigrant communities. But then, in 1974, a big legal case blew up when a Chinese acupuncturist from Palo Alto named Miriam Lee was arrested for practicing without a license. She was sort of moonlighting as an acupuncturist. She actually worked in the Hewlett Packet Factory in the Bay Area. She had actually this training from Shandong Province. She like learned the ropes of acupuncture from this this master acupuncturist. So her um, services to the community were so welcome, and it, it just sounds like it answered a huge need in that area. So the trial really publicized the idea of acupuncture, and it it was uh, recorded in newspapers that hundreds of her patients showed up to her trial to protest her arrest. It's a story where Miriam Lee is seen as a real legend and a pioneer in traditional Chinese medicine uh, practice and circles. She went on to found the American Acupuncture Society Association. She ended up teaching most other acupuncturists in America from there. And the irony is that, like, that is now a profession that you can go to a major college or university and and get a degree in <laughs> and spend a lot of money on it, too. Okay, so Miriam Lee's trial culminates in acupuncture becoming legal. Um, what happens to the perception of of traditional Chinese medicine after that? Yeah, it's really an it's a really strange juxtaposition. Aaron Wilkins has said this. You know, these services can be really expensive when you go to a somebody who is accredited um, with a clinical uh, acupuncture degree um, and practice. And so, the access issue was something that really troubled her, and I can totally see why. Because you know, this was something that used to be done. You know, by well-trained people, um, and it was sort of passed around from one master to an apprentice and, you know, by oral tradition, and now it's something that has been institutionalized, and that's one of the reasons why Aaron wanted to do these workshops, was to kind of make it 
more accessible and affordable. Of all the teas I've formulated at Herbfolk, I feel like it's my favorite example of, of this, right? Of using Eastern energetic principles to formulate uh, a medicinal and like a tasty tea. I'm just thinking about this sort of longer arc, right, of, of, of this, this sort of uh, path from being illegal to being, you know, hip and maybe maybe commodified a little bit. I'm just thinking about, you know, like this this arc and of maybe hoping that there's a the building of, of, of more Asian-American community through this in a way that feels really, it just feels nice, honestly. Honestly, it feels like a sense of pride because it's like it's this I think it comes from this realization that your elders had so much to offer. I think that it just goes to show that, you know, Asian Americans, we have a lot to be proud of and to learn and to inherit. Clearly, we have a lot to offer everyone. And that's that's the other point about sort of Asian Americanness that I think that these workshops really do a great job of of making clear. And even if you're not Asian American, we are American. So we have this, let's acknowledge that and let's uh, bring in our uh, shared background in this context. Awesome. I'm so glad that most of you wore red. And if you didn't, that's totally fine. It's, 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 it's totally fine. This is not like ninth century China. If you happen to not have enough red in your wardrobe, it's totally fine, okay? Um... What were the biggest takeaways for you? I mean, you have been thinking about some of these things for a long time, but it seems like you learned something new and profound from, from reporting this story too. I think that the biggest takeaways were that you know, we can be on these different wavelengths of, of expertise, of interest, and we can continue to learn from others through a community that we forge. And I just love that we can be real about that and not feel like we have to be the, an expert and find those connections between uh, various different cultures and their roots, their heritage when it comes to food and medicine. That power of feeling part of the Asian American community is in a different way important um, mm-hmm. on the same way as me trying to, to understand my own Chinese roots. We're sharing these, these things with each other and, 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 and growing something unique because of it. Kathy, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks to Kathy Irway for joining us. She's a food writer and host of the podcast Self-Evident, Asian America's Stories. We'll also share a link to the piece she wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you as well to Adrian Chang and Aaron Wilkins for letting us use recordings of their workshops. This episode was produced by Asal Asanapur and Erica Cruz Guevara. We also get help every week from Isabeth Mendoza. You've been listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. We're made by your public media station, KQED. I'm Alan Montecilio. We're taking a break this coming Monday, so we'll talk to you all on Wednesday. Have a healthy and happy Lunar New Year. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.